We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 336. Yankees, two out of three against the Padres. It seems like it's old hat, doesn't it? Yankees just keep winning series after winning series after winning series. Eight in a row. Eight series victories in a row. First time since 1998. I was actually pretty shocked to see that stat. I mean, the numbers that they've been put together with this team is is absolutely crazy. I think they've won 12 out of their last 13, going back to the uh, Boston series as well. They, they're on fire. You know, it doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter where they're playing. Their records, I think we have some stats on this, but their their home records and their away records many, many stats. are pretty, pretty similar. They're not that far off. Um, they're, they're playing well on both Actually sides. Better. Yeah, I'm saying they're playing both. They're playing well at home and on the road. So, um, yeah, old hat, man. This is fun. This is a, it's fun to see this team play as well as they did, and it's also good to see that this Manny Machado nonsense didn't really like. There was no hoopla. There was really nothing about it. It, 
did you think there was so this i i put this in the notes so you don't remember our conversation last episode about uh you said yankees fans are not going to give two shits about manny machado because we got Gio Urshela. right they booed him well yeah they don't i, I meant they're not going to give two shits and like mad that they're that he's there or not not why home. they booed him because why not he's a douchebag He's not on our team. Of course you boo him. I, I got no problem with the think, boo. Yeah, yeah, boo him. Why not? <laughs> I yeah, think, boo. Uh, I'll boo him. I've said this maybe 50 times on this podcast. As the great Reggie Jackson once said, they don't boo nobodies. Yeah, but they also boo douchebags. <laughs> and apparently from the reputation that I don't think is in baseball, but I think it is uh, across the fandom atmosphere, this fandom sphere, you know, that, that he's kind of douchey. I mean, look at his hair. It's pretty douchey. <clears throat> his hair does scream douche. It does, yes. Uh, I saw a tweet up from one of some national beat writer, guy, whatever, that the announcers, the San Diego announcers last week um, were talking about Machado's lack of hustle down to first base. Oh, they're, so they're already seeing it there? Like it's a problem? Is that what they're saying? I mean, already it, yeah. we are at the end of May. We're almost in June. So if that's the first time they're talking about it, I guess he's been hustling his butt off for the first two months of the Look, season. Look, the bottom line is if you sign a contract like that, someone's going to tell you, someone's going to say that you're not hustling at some point, right? Because you're never running as fast as you need to be if you're making that much money. If you're making $30 million a year, you should be running super speed all the time. Well, yeah, the counter argument to that is you don't want a guy busting uh, busting a hamstring just to try and beat out an infield grounder on game 50 of the season when you want him for the long run. No, but you, you know what I want from that guy? I want that guy to be in shape. <laughs> I want that guy to be in shape and be able to run through it. Supposedly Tanaka's in shape and that dude busted two Look, hammies fans, trying to run the bases. Fans, so you never know what can happen. Fans are emotional. When you see that much money and attached to one guy, you're going to expect that guy to be the gold standard of whatever position that is. Okay. So you need the guy to do everything right. Otherwise then you start thinking negative thoughts. So that's fine. I think the best response to Machado would have been a no, no reaction, not booing you. We're not cheering you. We're nothing. We don't care about you. We got you or Shella Yankees decided not to really make you an actual contract offer in the off season. You were asking for the moon. Brian Cashman wasn't ready to give it to you. Fine. That's it. Moving on. Whatever. I don't care if they boo him. I'd boo him too, probably. You would have booed him if you were yeah, there? Yeah, probably. Just because. <laughs> See, I can, I can get on board with the booing like Friday night when we're at the game against the Red Sox. I'm going to be booing my face off at, at the Red yeah. Sox players. But I can only gather up so much boo hatred for Manny Machado, the San Diego fucking Padre. I mean, it would be just a boo. It would not be like an emotional boo. It would be I'm going through the motions and I'm booing this guy because... You know what? You know why I'd boo him, honestly, because he took up so much goddamn time in my in my life. That is a good. We should boo him for being in the freaking media <laughs> as long as he was, for for dragging this bullshit on for as long as they him and Bryce Harper did. I'll boo Bryce Harper. Is that, is that Harper and Machado's yes. fault, or is that just? Yes, it is. No, it's not their. fault. It's their fault. They should have taken money early. Whatever. I will boo they them because they took up my life. I don't care what the reasons are. It doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. I'll boo them for taking up as much time as they did in our lives and then really nothing nothing to show for it. There's nothing. They're, that's just wasted time at this point. So this is uh, the last time the Yankees will play the Padres for some time because of interleague play, and I don't expect them to meet the Padres in the World Series anytime soon. 
So hopefully this is the last airwaves we spend on Manny Machado for quite some time. Yeah, I think we're done. I think we're done. His haircut deserves that. We'll close it's a bad, it's a bad haircut. It's a really bad haircut. Uh, quickly, Scott, why don't you update uh, people listening for the May 31st Friday night event, and then we'll run through a couple other topics before. I got a lot of good, good juicy nuggets on this Yankees record recently. Yeah, good deal. So the uh, event Friday, everything is, um, we're recording this on Wednesday, and we're still waiting on the box office to actually put over some tickets. Um, but as soon as they do, we'll transfer them over. We've transferred a whole bunch already. So if you are waiting for tickets, uh, they will be over um, tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow at some point, but they will be there, you know, relatively soon. Uh, a lot of people have already received them and the t-shirts, those who have not received their shirts, uh, every single one of the, the tracking numbers that I've, have looked up, it's all expecting uh, tomorrow delivery. So we should be good there too. Everybody should be getting their shirts by tomorrow for sure. Um, uh, and then June 22nd, that's coming up right around well, the, the, the dugout, oh, we're going to the dugout at 5 PM, 5 PM the dugout. We're going to go drink. We're going to drink some beers. We're all going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. Um, but the last time that we had an event for a Yankees Red Sox game, the lines were very, very long getting into the stadium. So that's something to consider. Definitely want to make sure that we get into, um, the stadium for first pitch. At least I know I want to. Um, so you may or may not see me there around four fifteen, four thirty at the dugout. Yeah, exactly. I'll probably be there early. <laughs> I think we advertise four thirty. probably be there as soon as they, uh, allow me to walk into that place. Maybe drinking a deuce in a bag outside the, outside the bar, waiting for it to open. It's possible. <laughs> Just don't get it. Don't get a taco. Don't pull a JJ and get a taco from Taco Bell. I might. There might be a taco in my future. There's never time to eat on these days. So, um, but yeah, that's then, the whole uh, deal. And then June 22nd is Houston, yeah. and we got that. That's a um, seven o'clock game. Uh, I think we're right around 100 tickets sold for that one. So that one's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, finally, the last one I'll plug today is July 6th, which is the invasion in Tampa. If you're in Tampa in the Tampa area. Go to our website, go to bronxpinstripes.com, um, and you'll see in the navigation, go to the shop, fan shop, and get your tickets there because the 69 bucks, you get seats, you get a t-shirt, and we're doing a pregame party at Ferg's across the street. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Fourth uh, of July weekend, uh, why not go to St. Pete? The humidity. Humidity's bad <laughs> everywhere on the East Coast. I'm just kidding. We got so much going on. So in, in addition to all the events, the regular at stadium events, there's a ton of watch parties going on. One that's going on for the London series, the Saturday London game. We're doing a watch party in New York City at Tavern 29 in Manhattan. If you guys are interested in coming to that, hit me up on Twitter or join the Facebook group. Um, Colleen made a Facebook event for that. So you can join that event. It's going to be awesome. I already talked to the manager there. She's going to give us some outdoor space. We're going to have the game with sound on because that's a big thing with these bars is getting the bars to turn the freaking sound on for a baseball game. They're like, oh, we don't want to disrupt. No, it's 1 p.m. on a Saturday. Yankees and Red Sox are playing in London. You turn the freaking sound yeah. on. I mean, if you're not turning it so off for a Yankees Red Sox game and that with that many people there, it's you got problems. And uh, if you guys are around the country, a few more watch parties going on over the next couple of weeks, too. Scott, run through. Yeah, that. the other thing, I'm, I'm also, uh, I actually just joined or we just started an account on meetup.com because I know meetup has a lot of um, different places. It's a good place to, to show live events and what we're doing. So you're going to start seeing all the stuff on there, too. So if you're not on Facebook, you can always, uh, you'll be able to go there, too. Probably within the next week, we'll have everything up on there, too. Um, but yeah, we're trying to grow this thing, you know, everywhere, everywhere, uh, people are, there are Yankee fans. So I got for this Friday game, we're going to be at the stadium. Um, but Western New York and Clarence, New York, they're, they're having a watch party, the Hartford chapter at Buffalo Wild Wings in Windsor. That's this Friday. 
Um, and the Albany chapter in Albany at Ships Pub is also doing one. So if you're in any of those areas, get onto uh, the Facebook page or, or one of their Twitter accounts and find out what's going on. But they have an event on Facebook. All of them have event pages, so you can look there and, and join, get all the details. And then on June 1st, which is Saturday, uh, Tampa, Vermont, and South Florida are all having watch parties. Tampa's at <laughs> Irish 31 Hyde Park. Uh, Burlington, Vermont, uh, they're at the Buffalo Wild Wings. And then also um, South Florida, which is kind of encompassing, is Coral Springs. They're going to be at Lefty's Tavern and Grill. Nice. Burlington, Vermont, my old stomping grounds. The eight series wins, we talked about that. Those came against uh, at home against Minnesota, home against Seattle, at Tampa, home against Baltimore, at home against Tampa, at Baltimore, at Kansas City, and then just this series against San Diego. In that time, they've been outscoring opponents 138 to 90. It's a plus 40 run differential, which means the average score of those games is six to four. So, on the one hand, they've won all those series, and that's fantastic. It, it's it's a it's a great record overall, 36 and 19. Six and four is a is a clear margin of victory, but it's not like they're sitting here blowing teams out five to one every night. But they're still they're winning these series. They're winning the games they should win. We're seeing the bullpen lock it down now. When we weren't see the, seeing the bullpen lock it down early in the season, we're seeing the team come back, even games when you think, okay, this is it. This is a game that's just not their night. And they lost the game on Sunday in Kansas City, but they came back. They barely came back, almost came back last night, Tuesday night, against the Padres and just couldn't squeak past. But we're seeing this team fight and claw even when you think they're dead in a game. That's that's the that's one of the biggest takeaways for me is that when you when you see that this team is down or they have an early deficit, if one of the starting pitchers get in trouble, like we saw Herman get in trouble early, uh, or we saw Tanaka get in trouble early, then you just know you're at you're not out of the game. And I think that's such a big part of a team when all of these guys know that there's a there's a lot of fight and 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 it's coming from every every position because it's not like we're seeing it come from the top of the lineup. There were a couple of, uh, days last week and early this week where we saw the bottom of the lineup you know, pick up and, uh, and, and win some games. So you're seeing it up and down the lineup. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, a, it's a clear sign of a team that, that can make a move. I, you know, it's, it's one that, that can, that can uh, to me, when you, have a, when you have that many comebacks and you have, you're doing it from the top of the bottom in the lineup, you're, you're, pretty, you're lethal on any day. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's such a good sign for a team being balanced and able to make a, a, a late a late season push. You just hope it continues when the regulars are back, right? <laughs> this whole narrative of the regulars coming back and this team getting worse is is funny because it's 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 uh, it's very possible to be true. Not not yeah. Not, so the reason because it's they're playing out of their because minds. I'm dread I'm dreading it. I'm dreading the first like skid that say they get Judge back, Stanton's back, um, Severino's back in, in the rotation, Didi's back, and then they go and they lose like five out of nine games and then the whole narrative is just oh we're the replacements better than the real Yankees they've got to go back to the replacements that team was fun I can already picture it gonna happen like sometime in August so I'm just bracing myself for it it's probably gonna happen because at some point this team is gonna hit a skid right or the, the other thought is maybe they won't right because they're having they're getting all of these guys back and when you have a so the guys won't be tired, they won't have they won't be going through the dog days of, of yeah. August and, and and they're not summer. they're not with this hot team right now. So the you know if you believe in in do and, and the law of averages and all of those other things, then you'd mm -hmm. expect this team to at some point 
fall off, right? Because it's baseball, Susan. You gotta you gotta come back to reality. Defying logic, right? But now. But when you have they're, all the new guys, things no one expected. But when you have the replacements for the replacements, who are actually the uh, original the stars, regulars, the regulars, then that's what we should just call them the replacement replacements. So then, then maybe there's no uh, maybe there's no fall off. I like that theory. You mentioned earlier that the Yankees are actually have similar record um, home and road. Actually, they're better road team as far as record goes. 680 winning percentage on the road, 633 at home. The last two, the last time they lost two games in a row were those two games in Arizona, yeah. which did come on the road, but it was at the end of a really, really great long road trip. But what we're seeing is this team loses, but then they bounce back the next day. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's It doesn't... And that's again one of the signs when you have when you have balance in that lineup and it seems like you're getting production from top and bottom. Um, there's not many long losing streaks that you you would have to endure because somebody's hitting on a given day. Um, even if you if you have a guy that's struggling, there's there's multiple guys there to pick you up. So and, and that's what you get. You know when you're not when you're getting better when you're getting these really good at bats. I say better like, like I'm talking about the original the regulars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're getting good at bats from a lot of different guys and you're getting, you know, the strikeouts are actually not as they're, they're closer than I think you'd expect as far as what they were last year and where we are this year. But it's seemingly to the eye that there's just better, they're better at bats and they're, and they're definitely hitting with runners in scoring position right now, better than they did last year. Yeah. I think situationally it's, it's where the big difference comes yeah. in because is the offense overall just runs put on the board better? No, it's not. They put more runs on the board last year when that makes sense because they were mashing home runs left and right last year with all those regulars in the lineup. But the at-bat quality in in key situations is better. And that's why when they don't come through in a situation like the end of the game on Tuesday night, I was actually surprised. I was surprised they did not come back and at least tie that game. Expectations, man. They're a powerful thing. That's the thing. Like Once you start seeing this team do it every night or every other night and it's coming from you know all different places, then you expect it to happen. It doesn't even matter who's up at that point. You're just like, okay. It's in the water. Like something's there. These guys, the, you know, we're, uh, we got this. Turn off the lights. Like that's, that's what they're going to do. And the narrative is also that the Yankees, the counter argument is that the Yankees have played a pretty weak schedule. Yeah, I guess. You still got to play who's in front of you, you know? It is what it is. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's just yet another way to discredit what the Yankees have done, which is, is fine. You have to mention that they've played a weak schedule. But they don't make the schedule. They just play the schedule. So they had they didn't take care of the weak teams last year. They didn't take care of Baltimore last year. They didn't t- take care of teams that they should have been beating up on when last year the Red Sox did. And that was the biggest difference in the division. The reason the Red Sox, you can really point to why the Red Sox won the division by eight games last year. The, their record versus Baltimore versus the Yankees record against Baltimore. And then that one four game um, series in the middle of the summer where everything just seemed to derail. It was, at, uh, yeah. It, it, those are, I mean, the Baltimore, to me, that's one of the biggest things. When you're looking at the, the record between uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox playing the Baltimore Orioles, those are games that are, are direct, you know, wins and losses against each other. And, uh, and the Yankees did, just didn't take advantage of it. So the fact that they're playing them early, that, that bodes to why we have, an, or, you know, a early bad they schedule. Played 12 games against played the Orioles. Played a lot against already. the Orioles. None against the Blue Jays, who are also kind of a crappy team. Jay, Jay Happ's not saying they, had, they played a tough schedule. Or they played an easy schedule. That's right. He plays against That's the right. Orioles, you know. You'd never know with Jay Happ's numbers against. But um, but yeah, no, they they <coughs> they've taken advantage of it, and and last year they didn't. So I really don't care if they've played a hard schedule or an easy schedule. They've taken advantage of imagine, what they needed to do. 
I have to imagine that was a conversation they had with themselves oh, God, going yes. into this year is do not sleep on shitty teams. You have to stomp on their throats. Well, Judge kind of brought it up when he was talking about backs against the wall. They had that sense yeah, of urgency that, every well, didn't day. That, didn't he make those comments yeah. in that series when they lost against the Orioles two out of three at home for series of the year? I, I, I don't remember if it was directly after that. Early it, was early it happened series. one of those early series. Yeah, for sure it was. Definitely an early series. But, I mean, that was his, the sentiment of the comments were – we have to take every night as an important game. We can't just you know worry about the the games uh, you know later in the season. Every single game matters, and it's true because when you're especially when you're playing in an individual opponent, those games almost matter double because you have to take advantage of it. Right, and um, what we're seeing the Yankees do, I think they're they're starting to get um, some guys back. Paxton came back today. He looked great in his four innings. We're going to break down his start, but they've had to in the rotation really just piece things together i mean it's been crazy they've been now two plus turns through the rotation without two of their their starters and that's not even mentioning luis severino who hasn't been there all year but chad green opens on monday it's now the third time he's opened you may see this stat being thrown around that the yankees are three and oh and chad green opening games when then you look at his actual performance and you're like how do these things correlate because in the first time out he got crushed after giving up back-to-back home runs, drilled the guy in the forehead. Then his next time out, gives up a run in one inning. And yes, he did pitch well against the Padres on Monday. In inning, he struck out the side. I think it was one of the best he's looked all season. He, was, he threw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball to strike out Manny Machado. That was the best fastball he's thrown all season. It had movement, had life, and it was the hardest fastball he's thrown all season. I think he's getting that. He's definitely getting the confidence back because we saw him pitch today too and, and look good again. So... Um, the, the fact that there are people tout a 3-0 and stat with um, Chad Green as the starter is just laughable because, again, this is one of those convenient stats. It's 3-0, hey, man. It's op- a win-loss opener. record. Opener. Opener, not starter. Yeah, opener. Sorry, my bad. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, it, it, it has no correlation. But the bottom line about this is that Green is – the confidence is coming back. You can see it. You can tell the body language is there. He looks better. Um, and then, you know, the results are there too. And guess what? Guess what he's been good since? Remember when everybody was screaming at Chad Green coming in the game last week? Like, why is Chad Green in this game? And then he pitched. Oh, the eighth inning against Baltimore. It was was a high leverage situation against Baltimore, against Baltimore. And nobody wanted him in there. And I'm like, "Eh, you know what? Maybe this is just Boone saying, okay, we're going to put him in a situation that may be relatively high leverage against a shitty team. And, you know, so we're going to, we're going to show confidence, but also we're going to kind of test it out at the same time. And I think that gave him the confidence. I think I think the Baltimore Orioles, again, give another guy confidence on this team. And, and we're seeing now, ever since then, Chad Green's been good. No, you say that, but then he the next appearance after that was the opener in Kansas City, and he gave up three hits and a run in one inning. I wouldn't say that's good. I mean, it wasn't terrible. That's bad. He got, he got out of it. He, he could It could have been a lot worse. You know, it's like he's like, no oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm the old Chad. No, 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 I'm the... I, now I'm the old Chad Green. I need to get out of this. Hey, I got a little brain buster for you. If you give up a run in inning, what's your ERA? Um, I think it's nine. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, but he's an opener, so we don't, don't have to worry to about that. I don't need to, you don't need to know XFIP. You don't you need to know, know what I, exit velocity. You want to know what I don't need percentage. to look at? One run in inning is shitty. I don't need to look at the other eight innings because he's only in for one inning. If it's just one run, it's fine. It's the beginning of the game. It's all good. He's getting his confidence back. Give him a freaking break. So Openers are stupid I, anyway. One stat that I think is telling on that Chad Green is turning the corner is that against the Padres, 30% whiff rate on his fastball. Yeah, that's huge. 
That is huge. He's a fastball pitcher. He throws his fastball 80% of the time. If he's getting swings and misses on that fastball, then maybe, just maybe, we do have the Chad Green of 2017-2018 back. Do you think that Chad Green and Jay Happ are sitting in the same PowerPoint presentation about fastballs? See, I don't. You think it's a PowerPoint presentation? I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's it's something. They're you know if if and and they're very different fastballs because one's a righty, one's a lefty. One throws from a very different arm slot than the other guy. But the um, the results when you look at what they do, it's 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 both fastball dominant, right? They're, that's their their number one pitch. And until you can get that back, until you can control the strike zone, throw out another 2019 narrative of. Um, of Aaron Boone, until you can control the strike zone with a fastball, then you're going to be dog shit. If you can control the strike zone with your fastball and live off that and then work your other pitches in, but they're working off of your fastball, which you can control, then we got something here. See, I think they, I think what the Yankees nerds do is they, they brainwash their guys. Yeah. So they give them like a recording that they listen to while they're sleeping and it just slowly seeps into their subconscious and then they channel that on the mound. You think the nerds are doing that? whoever they have sleep coaches they have all these diet coaches they have all these things going on in the organization they're they're probably getting in like sleep deprivation tanks and stuff floating floating in salt water doesn't tommy canley in pure darkness tommy canley did that wasn't he wasn't he one of the um wasn't he one of those did he is that what he did to kick his red bull at some point he was in one of those hyper those chambers i don't know maybe i I could never get in one of those chambers i'm i'm claustrophobic i would freak out yeah, I would be okay. Like I could, I could like if it's like it's like a uh, a sun bed or whatever, right? One of those things. Like a tanning, tanning bed. bed yeah, I would also never get in a tanning bed. I mean, I could get in those and just relax. Just, just little teaser for just you. Go to sleep. At the end of the show, I got a little. I got a little. Uh, I got a little fact about t- a tanning bed in here. Is it a tanning bed? At the end of the show, the final topic, I will mention a tanning bed again. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but uh, the bullpen after green was hail for four innings. He had a rough first inning settled in four innings though. After the opener is pretty solid after what, after Adovino. the way he started, after the way he started, yeah. the fact that he got through four innings is, is crazy because he started off looking like dog shit, looking like David Hale. And then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, wait a minute. Um, this new, mm-hmm. r- new guy, you know, similar to Kirby Yates. I got to just all of a sudden re re I'm reborn into a, a new pitcher. So it was good, but what they did on Monday was they emptied the chamber. They went Adovino, Canely, Britton, Chapman. And you're thinking, we feel confident doing that because we have Tanaka the next night. And what happened? First inning, Tanaka gives up a four spot. Yeah. So that didn't really go as planned when you're thinking about what, how they were going to shape the game, shape the series Monday into Tuesday. So I got a little thing about that. You saw the, the – um, he wasn't going up against a Japanese pitcher because we know that Tanaka will dominate when he goes up against a Japanese pitcher. But is this the first game? I, I don't. I'm trying to remember if there was another game where we've seen a, a, a an all girl pop sensation come to Yankee Stadium to witness a, a Tanaka performance because there was a, a pop group from Japan that apparently does like custom songs for Tanaka in Japan as well. Is it his wife? I don't think it was his wife though. I think it's a, another group. You know she's a pop. I do, star. but I don't think it. I think it's a different. And he hates her music. I think it's a different group. I think he actually likes these girls' music. And I think it was screwing him up. I think that's bad. That's bad news for that marriage. And she was, if he's on board with another pop and group, they're traveling, they're news. traveling. I could be wrong. Maybe she's in this group. I don't. I. I, I don't know. But all I know okay. is that there were four Japanese girls there that were pop stars that apparently sing songs 
about Tanaka or for Tanaka or like write songs when he's in Japan and they were there and he looked like shit. I'm just I'm I, looking at things, you know. I I don't know what to tell you. That's uh, that's fine. I mean, the, the, that could be as big of a reason as any. Maybe, maybe it was, he was. I thought it was that he was nerves. I thought that it was he hung a splitter to to Hosmer and it went for a three run jack over Monument Park. But hey, maybe it's the J pop. Maybe maybe there's some maybe there's some guilt for liking this group better than his wife's group. <laughs> maybe him and his wife got in a huge argument before the game and then he took that out onto the mound. Yeah, or there was a Japanese another Japanese pop star group there, and uh, and messed with his head. I could kind of tell though that the inning that the game started off weird when Lemayhu makes an error right off the bat. It's like a glitch in the matrix. What's going on tonight? Yeah. No, he doesn't do anything wrong. Why would he make an, an error for for DJ Lemayhu? It's like him striking out. He did that a, a you know a couple times this week too. It's just strange to see. And this may have been the, one of the most infuriating games of the season because. The Padres manager, my God, pitching change after pitching change after pitching change after pitching change. There were five pitchers. He made four pitching changes in the seventh inning alone. So five guys got three outs in the seventh inning. It was mad. Do you think Weisler, But do you think it was? Do you think it was because he he liked matchups differently, or or he was actually? Yeah, I don't buy that he's stalling for the rain because even if they do a rain delay, they're probably not going to call the game. It's just going to be a delay. Maybe. I don't know. Look, looks I think fishy. That's what Yankee, I think that's what people on Twitter were joking about, and it was fun to joke about. I know we all had our tweets ready to go to bash, a, uh, what's his name? Andy, what, Andy what, what's his last name? Andy Green. Yeah. We all had our tweets ready to go. I'm not going to reveal mine because it didn't actually happen. The Yankees did not take the lead. They almost took the lead. His bullpenning in the seventh inning almost backfired. But, yeah, it was it was infuriating. And, um, did you know the Padres manager's name before the series? Of course not. <laughs> Neither did I. I was like Andy. <laughs> so maybe this like, is a ploy for him to just get noticed. <laughs> I was like Andy Green. Didn't he play for the Yankees in the nineties at one point? And I was like, no, it's Andy Phillips. And I think Nick Green. I think played for the Yankees. I'm like crossing over obscure <laughs> it's Yankees. Their love child. Yeah. yeah, this guy was definitely. I'm like, you you need to um, pay for this shit. He almost did too. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that you and I answered that mailbag question on Sunday about what what rules are going to be noticeable. And then we mentioned next year will be the three batter minimum and how it doesn't really affect the Yankees. But my God, would it have affected the Padres in that inning? Yeah, can't stall during a rain, uh, a potential rain delay. But he was going from righty to righty, even though the righty was still up. It, the matchups really didn't even make sense. Exactly. I so mean, maybe you know what does make but sense. Maybe a there's tactic. underlying analytics that say, "Oh, this guy is a better uh, up in the zone pitcher, and this guy can't hit up in the zone pitches." Like I don't know. I didn't di- dive deep enough into it. But it, it was it was killing the pace of the game, and it seemed to hurt the um, Padres over the Yankees. The Yankees mounted the rally. What I could tell you is that if, if I saw our manager making doing those those moves based on analytics and making that many, it would drive me batshit <laughs> crazy. Analytics and air quotes. It's 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 like the um, absolute dictionary definition of being way too cute. It's 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 just like over managing to the highest degree. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know that those instances are few and far between. Most times you don't get that. But I think that is um, why the three better. And it's almost like that. Um, it's sort of like the DL, the 10 day versus the 15 day ILDL thing, where then teams, once it got to 10 days, started to abuse it. And then the league has to overreact and go back to the 15 days. It's like this, where 
managers are abusing these these little cutesy pitching changes and now the uh the baseball has to overreact and make a three batter minimum rule when 20 30 years ago if you ask somebody watching baseball in 1986 like oh hey by the way in 2020 there's gonna be a three batter minimum rule they would have they would have been like what the hell are you talking about dude not only that but you're looking at the situation what happened like if those if those moves were based on analytics which they kind of had to be right I don't know how you look at the game and say, oh, this is good. Like five pitching changes is going to help me get to this. Because if they weren't, the guys on the bench would have been like, "Uh, what are we doing? Andy Green, what what the hell are you doing? They would have tackled him. But they probably wanted to tackle him in it. Okay, so we're basing this off analytics. It's pouring rain. I mean, like a torrential downpour is happening as is. So where are the, where's the, um, you know, where are the numbers that that show like how a guy where, is this mutter a mutter? Like, actually, no, that's good because they dry your hand. I'm saying dry your hand. It's wet in two seconds. <laughs> You're either wet or dry. It's not like it stays dry. You can't be half. You can't, you be, can't half be half wet. Half, you can't get. Yeah. You can't get wetter. Once you're wet, you're fully wet. You can't, once you're dead, you're dead. That's right. That's right. So, so why are we making all these moves when it's pouring down rain? We're making it based off of uh, these analytics. They probably mean jack shit when you're in a torrential downpour. It doesn't matter. Just throw the goddamn ball. Yeah. Maybe that's so why the home plate umpire stupid. sucked eggs. He was just terrible. He was really bad. I hate complaining about the umpires because I think over a, over a game, over a long season, over, over the 162, it's probably going to even out. I think he was equally bad for both teams last night, which is why I didn't really want to complain about it. Like, did the Yankees get screwed on some strike calls? Yes. But they also got a benefit of a lot of strike right. calls. No, I mean, Gary Sanchez pretty much lost an entire at-bat. Right. But I, 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 there's instances that the Padres hitters are probably saying Yeah, the same. I mean, it, I'm not complaining on, uh, that he was one-sided by any means. He was just a bad umpire. Very bad. Yeah. He shouldn't be behind the plate. Probably shouldn't be an umpire. <clears throat> it, and it's also nights like that that you're saying, okay, where's the electronic strike zone? Yeah, because we have the box on the TV. The box is telling me that that ball is is three inches outside or at at Gary Sanchez's ankles, and it's getting called a strike. I tweeted this out, and I was I was actually expecting way more repercussions than I got because I didn't really get any, which I was very surprised about. But I said that uh, that sometimes when when uh, an umpire gets like jacked by a baseball, I think it's hilarious. Because like, oh, he got one right to he the got face, one to yeah. the throat. Like I thought in real time, I thought it hit him in the throat, and then I was like, oh shit, that hit him in the throat. And then they did the replay; it hit the guard, and then like you know, like mush back on his face. So now after I know that he didn't get hit in the throat, because that's like you choking on your Adam's apple, because that's what it looked like real time. Yeah, that'll kill you. I I, I had to, <laughs> I did go, I did replay it just to see like. Watch the mask like go back and hit Fat Boy in the face. You sick bastard! Yeah, it was you, you got enjoyment. I, out I of did. It? I did. It was. Do you think maybe that's why he was so bad? He was a little woozy. That was late in concussed. the game. I think he was bad before that too. I don't think he knew where he was after that, but I don't think it helped or contributed to the fact that he was a bad umpire. Mm. I don't think he knew where he was the entire game. And uh, we talked about last time that the the Padres moved Paddock, their yeah. their young stud, to the bright lights of Yankee Stadium Wednesday afternoon. And how do the Yankees greet his ass back-to-back in a belly-to-belly home runs with LeMahieu and Voigt start the game? Um, I don't know if he had too much rest. I know some pitchers don't do well with extra rest. He was a little maybe too amped up. I know he was missing locations with his fastball. Um, I think there was a stat that he had given up four home runs pretty much the whole season, and he gave up three home runs today. Yeah, yeah. and they were hitting the ball harder than I was. I saw somebody tweet about the um, – I think it was uh, – Coley Harvey talked about the um, exit velocity off the bat. 
Um, and uh, and we're, there were some of the hardest hit balls off of him all year. And I think that's what it, that's what it was. He was he was pitching yeah. against Yan- he settled in after because he did. Yeah, innings. he was pitching against the New York Yankees. Um, after it was he was basically moved to pitch against the Yankees first time in Yankee 100%. Stadium. percent. That's also got a mess. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're you know you're you're chosen for this game now, like from from a distance. It's not it's not they your can, fifth day. They can spew all the bullshit they want about managing his innings and trying to push him back a little bit, but no, this was we want to see what you can do against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Absolutely. And I think he just came out a little too hyped up and and just couldn't yeah. and didn't control his fastball and leaked leaked a couple. And uh, Lemayhu and Voight were probably see they're, they're smart dudes. Lemayhu, you know damn well was telling everybody, this guy's going to be hyped up. He's probably going to overthrow. He's probably going to miss location on a fastball. Look for a fastball over the plate. And that's what they did. I don't care how hard you throw it. It's coming over the plate. You're going to get smacked. And they, they, you think DJ, they both smoked those balls. You think DJ squeaks 15 more? Yes, I do. I think it's getting hot. It's five down, 15 it's to go. getting hot. We're getting a nice little humidity building up in the in the air. I think the ball is going to start flying out to the right He's side. He's got to pretty much double. He's got to double his pace. No, he doesn't. He's on pace for like 16 right now. I looked it up. Don't worry about it. He's not on pace for Yes, 16. he is after today. I went by games, not at bats. Oh, well, you got to go well, by Well, I bats. couldn't find that. I found the games one. It was convenient. It was 16. <laughs> it's close to that, whatever it is. It's not double. I'm so torn it's on It's certainly not double, Because on the, on the one hand, um, yeah, he needs to double his pace to reach 20. No. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm so torn on this because on the one hand, I want DJ LeMahieu to hit all the home runs and win all the games for the Yankees in the world. And on the other hand, I just want you to be wrong. I know you do. That's fine. You just you're mad because I'm. I, I hope he finishes with nineteen. You're very mad. I hope he finishes with nineteen and like twenty five triples. You're angry because the triples don't mean shit. I mean, it doesn't mean the ball was gonna get off out. the top. Off the top. The, of the um, <laughs> you're just mad because you didn't make any predictions. You bullshitted. You you uh you got scared and you ran away from it, even though it was your idea for the segment. I put my balls on the table and said, okay, here we go. These are my predictions. And they're pretty much all right right now so far. I'm like, I'm very close to getting all of them. What else have you gotten right? Everything else. Name one. Um, The Orioles. Have we lost more than two games to the Baltimore Orioles? You said 19 and 0, and then they went out and lost two games in the first series of the year. And then you said 19 and 0. I said 17 and 2. You said seventeen and two after they lost those first two games. We're gonna go back. Oh, to you the can tapes. definitely go I'm back. I'm gonna get Dom or Tyler to go back to. I the I mean, tapes. you're just wrong. I, I know for a fact you're wrong. Um, I said that Luis Sessa was going to have a rebound year and 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 break out, which I believe he is doing. What else did I say? Yeah, he's having a solid uh, year. Yeah, okay, I, I'm trying to remember what the hell they were. They were all right though. I said so, I said something I about Domingo Herman like leading the team in wins. Pretty sure that's happening. What did I? What did I say? He said Didn't something say stupid that, uh, about John Sterling's call in in London. And that's pretty much it. You made and that will come true. You made some nonsense calls that had nothing to I do said with Troy baseball. Tulowitzki, I said Troy Tulowitzki won't won't play more than like I forget what I said like fifty games or something like that. I mean, ooh, I, I and I agreed with you. Like it's not a big take right there. It's the I think I said, uh, said. I think John. Car- I said John Carlos Stanton's going to set the Yankees right-handed home run record this year. Yeah, soft. These are all <laughs> soft predictions. What are you talking about? That's not coming true. We might not even see him back on the field. I know, but it's not a bold prediction by any means. Anyway. You just you bitch out on the predictions. You know it, and I and, bitch out and, on you're, the and you're and you're upset. Not bitch out on the predictions, and you're upset that uh, I'm going to get predictions are stupid. You can't predict baseball, Scott. But uh, but so. I am. But I'm predicting it. I'm actually predicting it. So we'll see. Um, 
want to talk about Paxton, but another thing in this game that I think is big is that they did not have to use Canely, Britton, or Chapman. So those guys are rested for the Boston series. Um, and actually, we might get rain on Thursday night. So I don't know what's going to happen with that Thursday night game. Maybe we get a doubleheader over the weekend. But four-game series coming up, you do not want to have to spend your bullpen the day before a Red Sox four-game series. So thankfully, they didn't. Paxton was on, I was listening to pregame, John and Susan said he was between uh, 70 and 80 pitch count, he ended up throwing 66 pitches, four no-hit innings. Yeah, they probably, you know, once he got close to 70, they were like, that was it, um, you're not going to start a new inning when, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, so that's why they just um, took uh, took caution at that point, and yeah, good stuff, I mean, look, that's what we, we wanted to see him come back, be effective, uh, he was getting swings and misses, he, he looked good, walked a couple guys, um, you know, he'll clean that up, but look like James Paxton. Seven Ks, seven strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes out of 67, out of 66 pitches is 26%. 12 of those swinging strikes came on his fastball. His stuff looked excellent after really not pitching in a, not pitching in a competitive baseball game since May 3rd. He didn't do any rehab strikes. He was just doing bullpen yeah. work. No, it's crazy. The, um, so on the, the, the news came out, like, we didn't see the news until uh, on our last episode until uh, after we had recorded that he was going to come back on Wednesday. We're like, all of a sudden he's all, he's back with like no rehab. Just just we're just going to bring him back. Okay. My question is though, we're we're looking at, at Paxton on this day, and I know it's probably because the the um, the rotation is so thin, and they would have to move guys around even more. But why not why not wait one more day for Boston if you're going to throw him? Well, I think you got to pick your spots where with this um it's definitely you don't want to throw him up against Boston that that's a tough spot for him coming back I guess I don't mind it I mean if you're gonna throw why not throw let's go just get into it who cares who's against <clears throat> yeah I don't know I mean it lined up for today also with no starters because Hap wasn't ready to start that was today, the problem so. the problem was that there were no other starters I think and, and they were forced to, the, their hand was forced because I gotta believe that if they did have somebody that was you know ready to go or close to it that they would have um, rather started him on Thursday. I'm glad they're not, they didn't decide to go with him against Boston. I think that would have been a mistake. I think that's a pretty much uh, that's a high risk, low reward. I mean, I, you're throwing you're, what you're doing at this point is trying to throw your best pitchers up against the team. That's close. You, you know, he's only going four innings anyway, he's four inning max. Yeah. So then you're going to count on getting all those innings out of your bullpen. You're going to count on five innings out of your bullpen in game one of a four-game Red Sox series. That is putting yourself in a really tough spot. Yeah, no, no, it is. There's there's definitely pros and cons, but at the same time, you could be also walking into a, a, a four-game series with your bullpen shot because you used him for four on the day before. I know. So there's a lot. There's no, things I, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. The Yankees are going up against, I believe, sales pitching Thursday night, so you're probably not going to score a ton of runs. So it's not like today where they... I know they're facing Paddock. He's a great pitcher, but they happen to score seven is he, is runs. Is he a great today. pitcher? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> he's a he's um he's a young pitcher. He's a young he pitcher he, with the potential with the potential young, to be great. He's a young pitcher with uh, Roger Clemens potential apparently. Uh, let's talk about Frazier and Cameron Mabin. So <clears throat> I think are, are we that we're having this conversation. Yeah, we're having this conversation. I almost feel stupid, but I do think it's worth having the conversation. What do the Yankees do when Judge and Stanton are back with these two guys? Because Clint Frazier, on the one hand, is hitting the ball. He had that one slump after he came back from the ankle injury 
where he did not look right at the plate, but he's really started to figure out again. Overall, his numbers this year, 839 OPS. He's 10 home runs on an at-bat pace. I looked it up. I did the at-bat pace. That's 35 home runs, Scott. It's a 35-home run season pace out of Clint Frazier. He, he is hitting the ball um, like we thought he could hit the ball. He, according to baseball reference, has .2 war, mainly because of his negative defense. And according to Fangraphs, .8 war. Cameron Maben, on the other hand, 766 OPS, only one home run, .2 war on baseball reference, so the same as Clint Frazier on baseball reference, .4, half of the war, Um when you're talking about 0.8, 0.4, like it doesn't really make a difference. But my point is that Cameron Mabin, even though he's only has one home run and a 766 OPS, is adding value to this team. He's definitely adding value to the team. The guy gets seems like he gets a big hit every time he's uh, in the situation, and he plays really, really, really good defense. Look what he did on the bases today. He's, he's a he's a good base runner too. And Clint Frazier, two stolen bases, and he scored a, a sixth inning run today. That at the time was a giant insurance run. Yeah, are we seeing, are we seeing peak Cameron Maben like career? I think career we are. I think peak, peak Cameron Megan, Cameron Maben. I think it. I uh, think it's damn close. It's this, and when he's rounding third base after his first home run off Roger Clemens, <laughs> the, that exact moment and this moment. Right it's now. just so funny when you see this guy who's what thirty four? Is he thirty four? Thirty three? Thirty four? Uh, come out and, and play the way he's playing and. And yeah, he's le- he's legitimately putting pressure on these guys because of the, all the small things and the and the um, the good fun thirty two thirty two the good fundamental you know baseball that he's playing because he plays good defense and that's the biggest deal when you're looking at these two guys. Yes, if Clint Frazier was playing respectable defense or just average defense, wouldn't be a conversation. We wouldn't be talking about. Well, we would be talking about the fact that Cameron Maybin's been great and and mm. an absolute surprise that nobody ever expected this. That that's one of them. But we never would have expected uh, or have the conversation that he would be but there. We would be saying, does right? We would never be saying we would never be considering Cameron Mabin for the fifth outfielder job if Clint Frazier was playing good defense. Because that, when you're talking about if Judge Stanton, Hicks, and Gardner are all playing, then what are you really looking for out of uh, another outfielder in that position? You're looking for somebody who can play good defense and run the bases and give you a good at-bat off the bench. And that is literally exactly what Cameron Mabin is doing. I don't know if Clint Frazier can do what Cameron Mabin is doing if put in that Cameron Mabin role. Well, no, he would never be put in that role because he can't play defense. Right. So I, I, Clint Frazier, I want on this team going, for, like going forward, long-term, Clint Frazier. Obviously, I'm not arguing Cameron Mabin is a better long-term player than Clint Frazier. But in the in the... End of the season, short term, once the roster is hopefully healthy, knock on wood, I could see them leaning towards Cameron Maven. So a situation like that, if they're talking about a Cameron Maven late in the season, because you know, later as you get later in the season too, you start you start looking around at who your regulars are gonna be and you look you lean you look for them, uh, look at them for the offense, right? Then you start looking at these other guys, these role players, and start seeing what they can do that can contribute and make um, how can you add value in, in areas different ways? Yeah, exactly. Like, so the then you look at Kimber Maben and, and all of the fundamentals are good with him. He does all the um, the things that you want. The interesting thing here's the interesting thing from from where we're you come these guys start come back around the trade deadline just before the trade down, the deadline because that's kind of where we're we're looking right right around that time. Um, if they know what's going on and they they see Judge is healthy and he's he's back for a week or two. Um, you know, Stanton's on his way back or back at that point. 
Is there an opportunity now where we're looking at Clint Frazier and they're and they're potentially looking at him and, and turning him into a another pitcher and, and looking around in the trade market yeah. and, and flipping that? Because I know yeah. we're look you can't be short sighted and say, Well, Clint Frazier, while you could possibly trade him this year because of Cameron Mabin's playing well and there's other guys that have been stepping up and we're getting guys back. But after this year, you I mean Cameron Mabin's not gonna be on this team. Clint no. Frazier's gonna be the left fielder most likely, or unless Gardner gets another one year deal. But you're looking at Frazier as a long term piece, or they just you know they're gonna they, they play their um, they play their cards with Gardner one more year and left or Stanton more and left, and then we got another stud kid coming up who's gonna be an outfielder and they might shift things around. So there's an opportunity where you see Cliff Frazier hitting the ball as well as he is that he's gonna probably be at a very very high value there too, and it's gonna be interesting because I guarantee that Brian Cashman's having conversations about that. 100%. He is the offensive player we thought he could be. And you have to do something with the, line, with, with the way that the roster is going to configure once everybody comes back. And we have an embarrassment of riches now of good players. Someone's got to either go down to the minor leagues or get traded or move, take on a different role than they're playing right now. So, And we've kind of touched on, on Frazier's poor defense at different times this year he had the the couple misplays in Houston and then he looked gun shy and then he had that that game against Seattle where he miscommunication with Brett Gardner in right center field and then he lost the ball near the wall um but doesn't it seem like he's regressing especially in right field that game by game it seems to be piling on and snowballing snowballing on him where he's making more bad plays and we saw Last um, night. the miscommunication Last night was a, yes, made a terrible play in right field. Terrible, and also today miscommunication on a bloop single in the sixth inning. No, the um, with, with DJ with DJ Lemay- yeah. Le- Lemayhew. He just call for the ball, dude. Yeah, and Lemayhew's you know diving all over the place looking for it. So, and Cliff Frazier yesterday, the, one of the one of the things that that I've noticed too, like the the instincts of him, the the reads off the bat are not good. So he's not getting the good reads off the bat for you know which which line to take to the ball. Um, I mean, even last night it was a, it was almost like a like a half step back. Then then he had to like rebound and try to get to the ball. Um, the first step was bad. The read was bad, and then he made some horrible dive that was I don't even know if it was a dive. It was more like a falling thing to try to knock it down. He tried to like swat it out of the air from the bounce to keep it going. It was just it looked horrible. It looked as yeah. bad as you could possibly look in the outfield after. Um, you know, already a lot of criticism against about the defense and him talking about how he's, you know, got to improve it and doing things to improve it and all these well, things. He was doing extra work. He did extra work before he's the game in his with head, the outfield man. coach and Judge and Hicks were out showing them how to play balls into the corner and near the wall. This is just one of the, yeah in his head. I think he's in his own. This head. is one of the things that that I think that um, if Clint Frazier is going to be on this team for a long time or, or whatever he's going to be doing, if he's not on this team. This is going to be something that's going to follow him his entire major league career, I think. The guy gets very emotional and gets very much in his own head, whether it's just hard on himself um, and then it affects the way that he approaches situations. or I don't know what it does. But you could tell that he's in his own head in some he's way. He's got to clean the defense up because the offense has been fine. So if he does not... If if he ends up getting sent down later in the season in favor of Cameron Mabin, it, it will 1,000% be because of defense. I don't think it's going to happen, but... But yeah, it would, all, it would definitely be only defense. Even yeah. though Cameron Mabin's been good offensively too, you're just not seeing the power. No, Cameron Mabin's giving him solid at bats, but he's not nearly the offensive player no. that that Frazier's been. No, not power, but once you get on base, there's value in in uh, being able to score too. 
Frazier's also hitting really well with runners in scoring. Re- very well. He's been tremendous at the plate. You, I mean, nobody could take anything away from him at the plate. With the bat, he's been... So he's not letting his defense go to the plate also. That's good. That is good. That is good. He's just a, not a good defender. He's really getting exposed this year on being a bad defender. I thought he was much better in his first year, 2017 in left field. He looked a lot better. He was an aggressive left fielder, but he was a lot better um, defensively in that year than he's been so far this year. Maybe moving around, too, has has, uh, affected him not being in one spot. Who knows? But he's got to clean it up, bottom line. And he's the question mark once Judge and Stanton come back, like I said. So Judge hit off a tee on Monday. Uh, That's good news. Stanton... Just crickets. Nobody knows. Nothing, don't don't ask either. You might get you might get, you might get punched in the face. <laughs> you might get put in a chokehold. Uh, Sabathia threw a bullpen session on Tuesday, and they're eyeing him for that Sunday start against the Red Sox. Didi, he's going to be back Tuesday. <laughs> Didi's like, uh, we're laughing. No, he's going to be back Tuesday. No, I know. So he's in Scranton. Jay Bell said he's going to be here for probably six days. Uh, he's going to get some work at DH, going to get some work in the field. I know he's playing tonight. He was 0 for 2. Um, the last time I checked tonight in Scranton, um, Boone said he could be in AAA for one to two weeks. Didi's like, no, nah, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back Tuesday. I'm going back to the videotape. I'm telling you in like November, I said he was going to be back in early June. <laughs> this guy's a freaking cyborg. He's crazy. It's crazy. I, I'm almost, I mean, I, I can't wait till he's back. He's one of my favorite players on this yeah. team. But aren't you also like, uh, maybe you, take the week, take the extra week if you need it, Didi. We were expecting you in July. No. No, no, I'm not. No, 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 I think he's ready now. I think he doesn't. Okay. I think he's going through the motions. He's just like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm here. I've, I've, I'm in Scranton. I'm like, I'm right. I'm right here. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Tyler Wade Uber away. I'm an Uber away. Let's just go. Why are we doing yeah, this? CD's I'm healthy. For I mean, that's all it is, right? Where I'm healthy. I can play. Let's go. I'm, I'm good. He's gonna spring for like the Uber. You know, guy. you know damn well he wants to be there for the Red Sox series. It's probably killing him. Well. That's unreal. He just got to Scranton. He doesn't want to be there. He knows that he's ready. He's ready. He's, he's amazing. Estrada's going to be the guy, the odd man out. Yeah. He's going to be the guy sent down once Didi comes back. Um, Estrada's been great, and I think we saw that Estrada can be that, that utility role um, if they need it later in the season. But I don't I, – maybe you would consider releasing Morales – but I think they can they can delay the Morales thing because Estrada has options. So what they'll do is they'll bring Didi back, they'll ease him into things, see how it goes, and then and then they're probably gonna if they want to call Estrada back up at a later point in the season. I mean, I don't know what Morales Morales is hitting like one fifty. Like who cares? Yeah. So at this point, the I think you're right. I think the um, you you have Morales there so that. Uh, DJ LeMahieu doesn't have to go over and back up first base, uh, you know, if Voight's out or whatever. And then you can move Glaber over to short, so Didi's not getting you know all the reps over there as well. And LeMahieu can go to second. Um, yeah. So now you're getting LeMahieu more flexibility as well by keeping Morales on the team. But I, I agree with you. Like as soon as as soon as they see uh, you know Didi's like ready to go and is, can play every day, I I, I don't. And, and Estrada's becoming more valuable at that point. Like, I could see them bringing it up. But they're not in any hurry for it either. And especially because I could see them uh, certain games DHing Didi and then playing uh, all the other guys in the infield. Void at first, LeMahieu at second, Glaber at short, Urshela at third. I think they like having Kendris Morales on the team <clears throat> just because he's that veteran presence. He could play some first base as well. It's a natural Switch, he's he's can a switch hitter. Yeah. Like, 
but like but, and, and the other thing about Estrada, he's not hitting though he's, he's not, not hitting. hitting the other thing about Estrada is he goes to AAA and now he's getting regular at bats too so it's not like yeah he's um you know he's not losing anything in the sense of of baseball activity he's actually gaining more baseball activity so could be better could be good for his development as well but he's proved that he doesn't need that like he can stop he can not play for a couple of days go out play hit play defense and uh do it he's been impressive Batances threw a bullpen session, 25 fastballs. The Yankees were reportedly encouraged by it, so that's good news. And Severino threw from distance. <laughs> Do we know how far? I couldn't remember the distance, so I just wrote from distance. He was in the outfield throwing from um, a distance. It wasn't It wasn't the... Uh, it was more than 60 feet and less than that, 200 feet? It was about 120 feet-ish. He okay. was throwing, you know, he was throwing out there and uh, going through the motions and throwing a baseball to another grown man. Good to yeah, know. Yeah, so he's out there throwing. That's good stuff. I think when the pitcher is uh, coming back from injury and throwing a baseball, that's, that's good news. <laughs> Four games against the Red Sox. So weird schedule with the Red Sox overall this year because the London games throw a wrench into everything. But but look at this. So the Yankees are playing four at Yankee Stadium this weekend. They play 13 more times after this weekend. Two of them are in London. Those are Red Sox home games. And eight of them are at Fenway Park. There's only a three-game series after this at Yankee Stadium. And also, the Yankees and Red Sox play seven times in nine days from July 25th to August 4th. That's essentially playing a seven-game playoff series against them in a, in a, in a little over a week. Yeah. They play two other games in there. Yeah, that's strange. It's, 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 um, it's like the, somebody screwed up and meant to put like an Orioles series in where a Boston series was supposed to be and a Boston series where Orioles series was supposed to be. Yeah. And it, somehow it got screwed up and then they're like, ah, at the end of it, like it's too late at this point. We've already done all the other schedules. So we got to leave it yeah. because the, the uh, it makes no sense the way that they've played Baltimore and this is making no sense either. You, but, but you also got to realize that uh, with those eight games late in the season at Fenway Park, so the London games. Who cares? Let's let's be real. They're probably going to split, right? I mean, it, it's, it's not weird. a home game for anybody. It, it's not. A, it's a neutral site. It's going to be weird travel. There's going to be so much yeah. uh, hoopla around the yeah. game that you're most likely going to split. I would be surprised if either team sweeps. So you're looking at those eight. You got to take care of these four games at home. You got to win this series at home against the Red Sox. Because you're going to be playing eight at Fenway Park later in the summer. Yeah, I mean, winning a winning a four game series against the Boston Red Sox is also a very tough task to say. If it's a three game series and you got to win two out of three, that's something. But you know, you got to win three of four. That's that's difficult to do. So the way the you can't lose this series. The way that they're playing. I mean, I like I like the way that the Yankees are playing right now. So the the fact that they're going into this series with um with the with the team playing as well as they are, you got to like got to like the chances. So. And since the last time they played, they played in April 16th and 17th. Uh, the Yankees are 28 and 10 over that time, and the Red Sox are 23 and 13, about to be 23 and 14 because they're losing 14 to nine in the ninth inning to the Cleveland Indians right now. Both teams have been really good since that series. Is basically what I'm saying. Um, you know about Michael Chavis? What about him? I hate him, and I think all Yankees fans are going to hate him. Okay. Why do you hate him? He's come up. He slugged 10 home runs in 34 games for the That's Red a lot. Sox. This, dude, this dude's got suspended last year in the minors for PEDs. And he's never hit home runs in the minor leagues. And all of a sudden, he comes up into the majors and hit, slugging 10 home runs in 34 games. 
for the Red Sox. So you think it's still in the stream? You know, it's like just still still lingering. Or he's I don't back think in. it ever left. I don't think it back ever in. left the streams. So. Back in, back in the game. Um, you know, never hitting him in the minor leagues, and all of a sudden he's doing it. He's just going for it now at this point. I don't. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, I, I'd say just go for it. You know, just hit as many as you possibly can, and, and don't don't stop the juice. Paul, do the Brady Anderson, just go full in fifty five home runs after never clearing twenty. That's that's it. I mean, but you also have to, you know, you, you're you're throwing some odds in there when you're going to get tested, and like if you if you have no confidence in your uh, in your power and your career, and then all of a sudden you're hitting ten home runs and you do it, like just just keep going, play the odds. Yeah. Chris Sale, Thursday, Rodriguez, Friday, Porcello, Saturday, and then David Price, who has had two short outings uh, because flu-like symptoms, and then he had a rain-shortened start. David Price will be making a start in the Bronx. I'm kind of excited for are you, that. Are you, are you confident that that's going to happen? Because I'm not. I think it depends on what happens in the first three games. I just think he's going to come up with something. Something's going to happen, and he's not going to be there. It's going to be somebody else. Well, so I think he has a know, little sweat, like a little pep in his step. What do I know? Do you why know why I, why he's going to do that? Because he's a little baby. Because he's a bitch. Because <laughs> he's a bitch. That's that's why he's going to do it. He got hit by the Yankees in the one playoff start he made against them last year, but he did pitch well for the Red Sox overall in the postseason. Yeah. So I think he's got a little pep in his step. He's got a little swag now. But he he also knows that the Yankees the perfect time for the Yankees to beat him back down, <laughs> put him in his place. He also knows that the Yankees are his kryptonite. He knows that, you know, for, I think if the Red Sox lose the first three games, then he might, he might come up with something. He doesn't want to be the fourth, the fourth guy to go down. But I think if the Red Sox, uh, if it's a uh, one and two or two and one, I think he's, he's going to go out there. Yeah. I don't know. I just got no confidence in that. I just, I don't expect it. I don't Hap is Hap is going tomorrow for the Yankees or Thursday. As you guys are listening to this, they haven't announced yet. If Domingo Herman is pitching Friday or Saturday, so whenever he doesn't pitch, they're probably going to use an opener in the other game. Would you rather see Herman pitch or an opener when we go on Stupid Friday? question. I mean, of course I want to see Herman rather than... I don't know. He looked bad the last two starts out. Or, or Chad Green. It's going to be... Is Chad Green, is Chad Green going to go again? And we're going to, it, it's going to, go, it's going 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 to be four, the vaunted for Chad Green to David Hale to uh, uh, Cortez Jr. No, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. I do not want that. On Friday We're gonna night. trick the Red Sox. Yeah, no, I want to see Herman come back and um and and put all these these little struggles behind him and just come out and dominate against the Red Sox on Friday night. That's what I want to see. Sabathia and Sabathia could be back uh, for that Sunday night. That's a Sunday night baseball game. So the interesting thing about the Sabathia, I think everybody's expecting him to just get this, you know, go on this little uh, this little stint that he does every year, um, get the shot, come back, and he's back again. I, I got reservations about this year, like, I think just everybody's expecting it too much. The fact that he's just going to come back and be, be okay again. Um, you know, coming back from, from this. He's always been okay. I know he's been okay. That's, and that's what, I'm, that's what makes me nervous. He's another year older. It's happening. When did the last one, when did last year, uh, when, when did he go down? Do you remember like in the season? I'm trying to think of when it, when it was. I don't remember. I don't think it was this early. I could be wrong. I got to look it up. But um, there's just something about this one makes me uh, makes me a little bit more. Especially after he missed the first, what was it, two weeks of the season? Yeah. yeah, there's just, I don't know, something about it feels different that I, I don't expect. I'm, I'm trying to be tentative. I don't think they'd be bringing him back then if. if well, I think Sabathia comes back no matter. I think he just says, I'm good. And then they're like, okay, what are you going to do? Give him a physical? <laughs> he's going to fail. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> how do you know if he's healthy or not? He tells you. 
<laughs> Can you stand yeah. up? Good. Okay. How many fingers am I holding up? All right. He good. even he even talked about you know that that he uh, he delayed the DL a little while because he knew that people were were going down and they needed him out there, so he delayed it when he saw you know the Paxton went down or he delayed it. He, he but the knee was bothering him uh, before that because we saw a couple of starts. The last start was definitely something was going on. Um, but I mean, he came out and said that, so he doesn't tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, all right, final topic. So the Astros were dealt a blow. Carlos Correa is on the IL. Fractured a rib from an at-home massage. Who the hell knows what's going on there? <laughs> Did he fall off the massage table? Did the masseuse get a little too handsy with him? Did she stand up? Why do you, why do you, is it why like do you a, assume it's a she? That's what I was going to say. Is it a George Costanza situation? And he had a male masseuse and he was a little too rough with them. They were rough or, or Or it did move and he got freaked out and... Fell off the off the. Uh, he's a married man, Scott, or I don't know if he's married yet. He got engaged during the after the World Series, right? That was when he uh, proposed. Yeah, um, maybe maybe you know maybe it's maybe it's getting a little boring. So I want to uh, talk about some weird baseball injuries in the past. These are some of my favorites. So this just happened. Yoannis Cespedes broke both ankles. Quote: Not riding a horse. <laughs> he he breaks both ankles riding a donkey. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. We know Drone Boy, Trevor Bauer. Did we ever find out what he was riding, though, or just the fact that it was clearly no. not a horse? Could be a, could be a tractor. Like a tra- it's like the tractor story from Seinfeld. It's amazing. You want to specific- assess us on the IL because he got gonorrhea from a tractor. <laughs> I mean, it's, you can't make it up with this guy either. He definitely does not want to play baseball. No, he's just why, like I'm why, done. Would he? He's I'm making done. like 28 million bucks. Why am I going to play baseball? Him, him and Jacoby Ellsbury riding off on their horses into the sunset together. Fly fish, fly uh, fish. Bauer with the drone injury. The Bauer one was really annoying because it happened during the playoffs. Both Kevin Pilar and Sammy Sosa have spent time on the DL because they hurt themselves sneezing. I mean, I've had some violent sneezes where I've hurt my back, so I can't really say. Anything I'm not going to tell people that's how I hurt myself, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to say that. Is that, I mean, I've, I've, I've hurt my back. If you're a professional athlete, you don't hurt yourself sneezing. You can make something else up. I was doing, I was doing pull-ups, and I pulled, pulled my lap. Look, I, I know that uh, yeah, the baseball, baseball I, I used to have this argument all the time with, with uh, friends in college about the fact that they're not, they, they, they would say they're not athletes. I'm like, of course they're freaking athletes. They're just not the same type of athlete you're seeing in basketball and in football. It's a different type of movement. So when you do things that are a little abnormal – your gut gets in the way and you know, like bad shit happens. And that's what happens sometimes when you sneeze. Are NASCAR racers athletes? No, that definitely not. Well, NASCAR is considered a sport. I don't consider it a sport. Are golfers athletes? Yes. So there needs to be some physical movement. I need to see some, some, uh, some like, I need some, I need some uh, collaboration with the, with all of your different limbs. I mean, golf certainly requires hand-eye coordination. It also, it also requires uh, flexible hips, flexible rotator cuffs, you know, flex- flexible wrists, a lot of, lot of things like that. You don't need to be, you know, benching 350 to be an athlete. Do we know if Tiger Woods maybe hurt his back from an at-home massage? I think Tiger Woods hurt his back from steroids. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, another Met story, missed some time this year because he ate undercooked chicken. That's just stupid. That's disgusting. Glenn. Have you ever seen? There's like one of these shows that was. Um, I watched it with my wife like four or five years ago, and I've really never been the same since. But it, it's it's like a it's like one of those shows where they go like off the grid. 
you know, and they're like show people like what they do and like like butt fuck for wherever, you know, it's just like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> You're gonna say they show them butt fucking. <laughs> and and um they called this they had this this jar that was on top of their disgusting refrigerator because they didn't use any cleaners. They didn't use anything, like nothing in like today's civilization would they use as far as like chemicals and stuff, right? So they had this jar and like I'm like, I want to throw up just thinking about it. But they called it high meat. And and it was <laughs> high meat, that's what they called it. And they put raw chicken in a jar and they'd basically let it like sit and ferment or whatever ferment. the hell you do with it. Yeah. And then they would they they would eat it. They would they would eat it like I, like I want to throw up thinking about it. So now what the hell kind of show is it? It was horrible. It was but it was one of those ones like I can't believe what I'm watching and I can't turn it off. But I, I, I regret that I ever watched it because now it's like the, now I have a like a fear of undercooked chicken. It's disgusting. Was it like the My Weird Obsession show? I have no like idea on what it was. A and E or whatever. I have no idea what it was. It was a family. Where, like the people eat eat like tires and no, stuff. No, it was just a fa- It was just like a gross family that lived in the middle of nowhere, and they were just gross. And they they did gross things, and they ate raw chicken, like on a regular basis. It was disgusting. And they and they. Like, I'm seriously getting nauseous just thinking about it. They had, they would, they would, with no problem. Like it was just very normal. It was horrible. And they were fine. They they didn't get sick. They didn't pull a Brandon Nimmo. They didn't miss time. I think they're probably all dead. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody would know it because they lived off the grid. So here here's your here's the reference I I teased earlier. Marty Cordova fell asleep in a tanning bed and had to miss time because he was sunburnt. Yeah, that's rough. Glen Allen Hill. You remember Glen Allen Hill? This was back in the 90s. I have a lot of Glen Allen Hill baseball cards. He fell through a glass table when he was sleepwalking because he was having nightmares about spiders. <laughs> Dude, that's nothing to joke about. I had nightmares about spiders the other night. <coughs> <coughs> Did you sleepwalk and fall through a table? I didn't table? fall through a table, but I definitely woke up and, I, and, I, and, it, and it kept me up for a little bit just because I couldn't go back to sleep. But I hate that shit. Sleep, the sleepwalking, going into sleepwalking, the people, sleepwalking people are are a problem. They're a problem. I, I had a buddy in college who would sleepwalk and pee on people. <laughs> <laughs> was he drunk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we were in college, so would he purposely pee on people, or do you think he's in the bathroom? No, he would. He would think he was in the bathroom and and flush, like pretend flush, imaginary yeah, flush. Yeah. But he like yeah. he someone's parents were visiting one time, and he literally like sleepwalk and pissed on someone's dad. On his leg. True story. Couple, Tra- couple started questions. to. Why are the parents in the dorms? It wasn't the dorms. It was a house. Why are the parents in the house? It was a party. Like, he pe- fell asleep early. It wasn't, like, a late night. I lived, in, I lived in a house junior and senior year in college. It was so disgusting. Senior year, my mom refused to walk in yeah, the house. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Same thing. Like she wouldn't go inside. Me and me and my dad had to move all my shit out. My mom stood outside. Why are you car. making your mom move your stuff in the first place? She could come in and help carry a lamp. Maybe take take a take a box of clothes out. Those those things aren't heavy, but the big stuff, obviously, no. Yeah, I don't know. The um, sleep the sleepwalking is uh, it's uh, my brother's fallen through a glass table before. <laughs> Sleepwalking? Not sleepwalking. Perfectly awake. Very drunk. Did you put him through it? No, no, no. Did no, he just, he just like tried, thought it was like he, there was a seat behind him and just went right through it. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. That's dangerous. Glass, glass coffee tables can be dangerous. Yeah, he did that in Boston, in Boston um, actually. A couple more. Our current friend, Kedrits Morales, celebrating a walk-off 
blew out his uh, ankle was his or his knee. knee yeah, ankle, it was knee, ankle. Yeah, it was a devastating injury. Pretty early in his yeah. career, I think it was. Uh, so he he actually fought back from that and had a good career with the Angels uh, when he was there. Yeah. So yeah, that's not not, great. not as good as David Justice's career, but but solid. And uh, Joel Zamaya was uh, injured himself. I think he got carpal tunnel from Guitar Hero. Yeah, which is dumb. It's like what was the, the um what was the Carl Pavano injury? I'm trying to remember. It was a butt injury, Some, right? Like, it was a butt injury, butt muscle. But I, so I couldn't find. I, I was Googling weird Major League Baseball injuries. That one didn't come up because there really haven't been specific details about how he got his butt injury. Really? I thought it, I thought there, I thought it was a like. Massage. Uh, Pavano, I thought it was. Um, I thought we knew what it was. Anyway. Maybe, and I just didn't find it. You Googling I it? Am, I'm Googling it. I'm using the Google right now. I'll stall for time. So if you guys out there have, know of any other weird and fun baseball injuries, because it seems like baseball more than any other sport has these bizarre injuries. Football, it's always like, oh, that dude broke his neck because he got speared by a linebacker. Understandable. Baseball, oh, I fell asleep in a tanning bed and can't go out to center field because I'm sunburned. So yeah, I don't know what you just said, but um, bruised, <laughs> bruised buttocks. <laughs> Was definitely the injury, right. and they're saying, yeah, it, it left uh, the the team and fans puzzled and angry. And he was a laughing stock. Well, we don't know how yeah, he got They, they called it a freak accident. Oh no, there was another one. Yeah, this was another one. He had a freak accident shoveling snow, and lacerated his spleen. How does that happen? <laughs> that it must have been some wet snow, some wet heavy snow. Who that? But so someone else like sliced you open with a shovel. No, what are you talking about? You could you strain shoveling, throwing it over your shoulder. You lacerate a spleen. It's like pulling something. That's how I took it. I mean, I guess you're the medical expert. Yeah, on the I show. think you're wrong. <laughs> Sounds like you have to something more uh, traumatic than that to uh, to lacerate a spleen. But who am I? Just a medical expert on this podcast. That's going to do it for this episode. Big, big four-game series against the Red Sox. Next episode will be Monday. Submit mailbag questions uh, to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. Call up the voicemail line. I'm having, I have a good feeling we're going to have some good voicemail content from this weekend with the Red Sox. Always heated games. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a fight. Call up 646-480-0342. Hope to see everyone out there at the May 31st event. Remember the dugout, 4.35 p.m. on Friday. We want to be asses in seats by 7.05 p.m. for first pitch. Be loud. We're going to be there for roll call. We're going to get the fat heads. We're going to get the flags. getting all that crap going. Um, any last words, Scott? Nothing, man. Just a big series. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I, too, am looking forward to Friday and hanging out with everybody. So let's uh, let's do this, baby. Nice, nice four-game set against the Sox. Talk to you Monday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. When you need 
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.